Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we offer resources to equip you and stories to inspire you on your adoption journey. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Hey friends, welcome to episode 160 of the Adoption Connection Podcast. One of the things we love most about you, our community, is that you are so dedicated and persistent when it comes to finding things that will help our kids and their nervous systems. So one tool we have in our family's tool belt is essential oils. Now, I know that there are a lot of mixed messages out there and opinions about essential oils, so we wanted to bring you an expert here to the podcast that could use brain science, which y'all know is my favorite, to kind of help us out and bring clarity to something we really should be considering using to help our kids and their nervous systems. So this week, we have Dr. Danielle Daniel. She is a doctor of psychology and a licensed clinical social worker with a holistic approach to the brain. She trains hospitals, clinics, and therapists around the world on the field of psychoaromacology and the application of psychoaromatherapy. Dr. Danielle, welcome to the Adoption Connection podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about um, the subject we're going to dive into. Yeah, I'm so excited. I have been following you for years through doTERRA. So will you start by just telling our audience a little bit about how you even got interested in using essential oils in your practice? Yeah, for sure. So um, for those of you who don't know me, I am from San Diego, California. I was um, raised with a mom who was very into natural health. And so we always took herbs and used essential oils growing up. And when I got into my field, into the mental health field, um, I just noticed that there was this of a holistic approach in the model that I was in. And um, when I would see these children and these teenagers, and I'd be like, I just want to try some other things versus just running off to, you know, medication or um, behavior therapy. And I thought, why don't we do a holistic approach? And because um, essential oils, especially after using doTERRA essential oils, cleared up some of my own um, gut health issues that I was dealing with, I really wanted to start diffusing them in my office. And so I did, I just started putting a diffuser and I started using them with my teenagers. And I noticed a difference in their behavior, in their ability to process their emotions and talk in talk therapy, being able to talk about what's going on with them and just their mood lifting um, as they would just inhale the essential oil. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. And that's what led me to study the essential oils in the brain and do my dissertation on um, mental health and aromatherapy. Yeah. I love that. I have so many questions. One of the things I said to my husband today, before we started recording, I was like, she started a new field. Like she's the, like, she's the beginning of something so cool and so new. Uh, So when you publish your dissertation, you talk in there about kind of this new area that you're kind of merging um, and you call it psychoaromacology, which I just, again, like so jealous that you have this new thing (laughs) that's, I think really going to rock the world. So can you just explain a little bit about what that is, like what you did your dissertation on, you know, some of the exciting things that you found in that. Yeah, for sure. So as I was studying um, my my doctorate degree, we have these different courses that we do. And in these courses, we have like a final research paper that we get to choose from that subject. Like if I was on a stress or if I was on an ADHD course or, you know, whatever the course was, right? So I would take the subject and look up 
okay, I'm going to look up how we have ADHD, for example, what is the neurobiology going on with ADHD? And then I want to look at how essential oils that have been studied with more more of the brain science that's been studied with essential oils has been done on rodents, but the field has to start somewhere. So that's what I had. And that's where I started. So I started plugging in, how does this brain science, and that's always what we do. We always start with any type of research. We start with rodents. And as you look at the rodents and then we go, okay, this looks like this could work for a human. So then we do some little trials on humans. So that's kind of where the field is at. We're just barely starting to do um, trials with humans with diagnoses. So I would look at the trials that have been done with rodents and healthy humans, and then look at the brain science behind, for example, ADHD. And so as I was plugging these in and kind of putting them together, I came to study um, a class called um, psychopharmacology. And all of a sudden, it just dawned on me, it was a really kind of a divine inspiration moment where I was like, this has to have a field, this field has to have a name, so that it can even start like I'm pioneering this brand new thing. And so I just took the root of that psycho, which is, you know, the, the, the mind, the brain, and then aroma, which is the aroma, and then ecology or ology is the study of. So I just took psychoromacology and said, this is the study of how aromatics interact with the brain. So that's how I created that. And then just to kind of piggyback the application, like the therapy modality, I named psychoromatherapy. I love that. So you've talked a little bit about the brain science, which for those of you who have been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, know that I love brain science. I love how there's so many applications and starting with that science and understanding our behavior, our kids' behavior, um, everything from brain chemistry to physiological state and vagus nerve, all of those things. So can you tell us just a little bit about like what science has already shown us? Because I know a lot of people listening will have had some kind of experience with essential oils. And most people listening probably have started to form an opinion about essential oils one way or the other. And there's definitely folks out there who kind of want it to work or have heard it working, but don't understand like why we would even be headed towards the fields of, of aromatics. I know when it was first mentioned to me all the way back in 2014, I had no foundation for this. And so I almost ignored the person who was trying to tell me because the only, like I equated essential oils with like Glade and I, I couldn't make the jump between what I knew about essential oils, which was they smell to why is she suggesting that I try this with my daughter who is struggling with anxious feelings. And so like, because I couldn't even start to make that jump, like I kind of just dismissed it. Um, fortunately she was kindly persistent and, you know, I eventually made the leap. So for folks who are listening or like, kind of feel like they've dropped into the twilight zone, can you kind of help them bridge like what they might already know to how the brain science is starting to support why this is so important? Yes, absolutely. So, and that's kind of why I wanted to dive into the brain science. I like um, the, I like the research. I like to know why and how things are operating so first off, we I just I'll back us up a minute. Anytime we inhale something in through our nose, it goes to our brain. Um, this is true, like with laughing gas. When you go to the dentist, it makes you feel you know a little loopy, right? Because it's gone to the brain and triggered something. So there's that. This um, or not to be you know on the negative side, but cocaine or something that people sniff in again, it just goes right to the brain and it causes um, a chemical interaction. So 
So if you think about all it is, our body, right? 90%, I think, I believe is around of what is communicated in our body is just broken down into chemistry. So when you have plants, when you eat a plant, I like to just tell, help people relate to this. When you eat something healthy, like some, you know, lettuce or broccoli, it breaks down into your body, into nutrients, which then though that nutrient is its own chemistry formula. And that is taken through your body and does different things for you. So same with the plant that is the aromatic part of the plant. So there are these little aromatic molecules. And so they, they're very light and molecular weight, similar to what you would think of rubbing alcohol, like it just kind of evaporates into the air. And so as you, you, if you have like a peppermint leaf or a lavender plant, you can actually, or thyme or marjoram, you can rub that leaf and you will smell that you've broken the aromatic sacs on there. And so then you can actually inhale that. And they're on there for different reasons. They're for our pleasure because they smell really good. Um, they're also for pollination. So bees and things will be attracted to those plants. And it's also there for um, herbivores to keep like to ward them off. They have so many great purposes, but when you break down the chemistry and what they do in nature, so something like tea tree, which um, is helps with um, fungus and things like that. And so it's in an environment where it's rarely wet. And so it helps just keep that tree or that plant, right? That whole um, area from um, having fungus grow on the plant. So that's where you're talking. It's just chemistry, chemical interactions on the plant. And because plants are carbon-based and we are carbon-based, again, they interact synergistically in our body. So I just think it's fascinating. That's kind of the science side. So inhalation is one way. And then the other way is through the gut-brain connection. So we've got our, uh, we can put essential oils on topically that will go right into the bloodstream and carry it to the brain. Now, because essential oils have this um, unique and complex molecular structure, they can actually pass through the blood brain barrier and interact with our cells. They help with brain fog and they can help with regulating inflammation and so many other things that are big barriers to nutrients, you know, arriving to those areas. So, so you've got on the bloodstream as well as you have in, in the gut, when you ingest, when you ingest any, you know, plants that are healthy for you. And there are certain essential oils that you already ingesting when you eat marjoram and thyme and oregano and, you know, lemon peel and things like that. So, so again, that gets into the gut and then just helps to purify and, um, that chemistry. And so just on another note, and probably a lot of you already know this about essential oils, but What's amazing is like, if you look at lavender, for example, it's going to help the body with supporting melatonin and serotonin. It's not serotonin and melatonin itself. So if you were to take, for example, melatonin, melatonin pills to help you sleep, that's going to give your body melatonin. And so then your body doesn't produce melatonin because those melatonin is going to go on those receptors. And then your body's like, Oh, it's there. I don't need to produce it. And so with lavender, it's, it's so different. It doesn't, it doesn't replace on those receptors. It just gives the chemistry, like the energy boost, the kickstart to say, Hey, let's do some melatonin. Let's um, support some serotonin here. And it just supports the processes so that it can aid you in sleeping. So that's my best way that I like to just relate it for people that are maybe newer or want to just understand a little bit more of just the logical side. I think a lot of people are like, oh, they just work. They're just so great. It's like, yeah, they are. But I like the logical side. I'm totally, if you can't count and tell already, analytical and logical and science-based. So that's how I like to look at it. 
you know, you're talking about molecules that cross the blood brain barrier, which I know is really important. And when we're looking at the nervous system and supporting the nervous system, there are not many things that do that. And so this gives us on one hand, I see it as the amazing opportunity to support the nervous system. And there are other people out there who are like, Ooh, blood brain barrier. Like, I don't know if I want to have things cross my blood brain barrier. You know, what can you help to alleviate fears people might have about things that can go directly to the bloodstream and cross the blood brain barrier? Hey friends, just jumping in to invite you to our new Enneagram study in our membership community, The Village. Beginning February 1st, we'll be working through Suzanne Stabile's new book, The Journey Toward Wholeness, to help us get a better understanding of ourselves and the people we love. You can join The Village at theadoptionconnection.com slash village. Use the code podcast to get 50% off your first month. We would love to see you there. you know, what can you help to alleviate fears people might have about things that can go directly to the bloodstream and cross the blood brain barrier? Let me start with kind of where I just left off with lavender and being that it's not going to fabricate anything that your body, it just gives your body the energy boost it needs to support. Like if you already have enough melatonin in your body, for example, it's not, it, they're very adaptogenic is probably the best way to describe it. Like those adaptogenic um, herbs and they will support the production, but it's not like, so using the reference earlier of cocaine, where it's just going to force a whole bunch of dopamine. So cocaine is, is such a um, powerful, you know, chemical plant, basically, that's just going to force a whole bunch of dopamine and essential oils don't do that. You, even if you take too much of one, it doesn't give you more of the effect. In fact, it lessens the effect of the essential oils if you take too much. So one drop is great. Um, and so I'll, I'll give an example. There was a, a couple that I worked with and her husband had had brain surgery and they had to drill into his brain, which just like, oh, through his skull grosses me out. I, that is why I did not go into medical school. I'm like, <laughs> I like science, but I cannot do the the blood and like, ugh, I get so grossed out when I see those things. So kudos to all you doctors and nurses that can do that. So anyway, what happened was this is now two months post-surgery. He was just, he couldn't, there's a lot of, you know, damage to the tissues, uh, um, inflammation in the area. And, um, cells were just, um, really not functioning so well. And so he would be able to walk for just a few minutes and then he'd have to sit down. He just couldn't sustain mental clarity and he would get dizzy and he wasn't able to walk very much. So we started using some essential oils. Again, this is talking about blood brain barrier. And I had him put them on the location of the area where he, the brain was drilled in. And we used, um, frankincense helichrysum. We used a blend called Immortel. And it has frankincense and helichrysum and myrrh, rose and lavender, and um, a few others that I'm not remembering at the moment, but they are very good at managing and regulating inflammation as well as boosting cellular health. So what that means is if our cells aren't healthy, they're not moving around. They're not repairing. So oils don't heal you. I just want to make that very clear. They actually just support the processes of your own body to heal itself. So as he started using that on location, um, within about a, two weeks, I think it was, he was able to walk like 20 minutes and that's huge. 
such a big difference. And so crossing that blood brain barrier helped regulate the inflammation. Inflammation has, there's a healthy level of it. And that's what I love about the oils is a very adaptogenic. It's just going to help regulate. And then it's also going to help those cells have that vitality to start repairing that area and move that blood around, give the area energy to heal itself. So that's how I feel or how I can explain the safety of essential oils in the bloodstream. And it's just like when you eat a healthy meal, a healthy salad, for example, those nutrients that you were ingesting, they get into your bloodstream as they go through your intestines and they get carried through the intestinal wall throughout your entire body and bloodstream. And those nutrients are what's going to help produce that energy that you need. That's, that's an amazing, it's an amazing story. So you specifically did some research on how essential oils help individuals who are suffering from PTSD specifically. Can you start by just talking about, I mean, most of our audience, um, have children or themselves, you know, have some kind of trauma either from parenting kids with trauma or, um, you know, their own experiences. A lot of our kids came, um, from early adversity. We'll know a lot of these things already, but just for the sake of argument, um, what are some of the typical symptoms that individuals experience who have PTSD? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's actually quite complex. And so there are four categories in the diagnosis of PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. In the diagnosis, there's four categories. And in order to actually have a diagnosis, you have to have a certain amount of symptoms within each of those categories. So the, the four categories, one is called intrusion, which means there's intrusion symptoms um, from flashbacks and memory. The other one's avoidance, which means when you have a trauma, you do everything to avoid talking about it ever being triggered again because it's so uncomfortable. The next one is called negative mood, and that is negative alteration in mood and cognitions. That can be, um, it, it's not actually depression, but it is like just irritability and outbursts and things like that. And then there's arousal is the category, and that is um, recklessness and destructiveness, hypervigilance, um, startled response. So those are the four different categories. And so when we look at um, PTSD, like the actual diagnosis, um, and we look at what's, I like to just bring it back down to the core. The core of what's going on causing all of these four symptoms is stress. It's a stress disorder. It's not an anxiety disorder. It's an actual stress disorder. And so the stress, which is caused from um, this, you know, out external or thought processes that actually trigger your HPA axis, which is your hypothalamus, your pituitary, and your adrenal gland. Those three, two in the brain, one's the adrenal glands on the kidneys. They interact together and they cause like a, an, a hyper response to stress, which means they increase cortisol and a whole bunch of other chemicals in the brain, um, glutamic acid and other things that cause like this like heightened state. And in that heightened state, you get um, some of the, you get these symptoms that come about. So the majority of these symptoms. So, so that's what I like to look at. And so when I looked at doing the research on PTSD, I'm from San Diego. So we have a lot of military and I wanted to do something to help um, our veterans and our military first responders. So I did the research, uh, the research project with firefighter, firefighters, Marines, Navy SEALs, um, nurses. And it was, it turned out really great. But I looked at all these symptoms and I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to, 
but there's so much to treat with PTSD. And that's, and so when I broke it down to what the core of it is, is stress, stress onsets, all those symptoms. So then I looked at essential oils that can just help calm the HPA access. And what I narrowed down from all of the research, and there's some heavy, heavy hitters in there that would be amazing for stress, but I could only do one. And I wanted to do a single oil, not a blend. Cause I really, this is again, pioneering this brand new like area of research. We need to start with the base level so that we can now grow and go, what if I combine this? Or what if we do one with this separate and then combine, you know? So I chose bergamot essential oil, which is kind of like if lavender and lemon had a baby. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> so it has your essential oil or your chemistry, your, um, limonene that helps with uplifting mood. So all, it also has linalool and linalool acetate and beta pinene. So linalool and linalool acetate are heavy in lavender oil, which are super calming to your central nervous system, as well as helping reduce anxious feelings, anxious emotions and all that and stress. And then beta pinene comes from your uh, tree oils. So beta pinene comes from tree oils. And so that's another one that is good for just grounding. And so uh, bergamot was such a great choice for my research study. And we had phenomenal results using that. So for people who are thinking, well, my kids have more of like a complex trauma history. They're, you know, they're, they're not veterans, obviously, you know, they're not first responders. Can we break down and say, because of the way the chemistry works in the brain and because it's all comes back to stress that if a parent is parenting a child who has like hyper arousal in terms of like hyper um, vigilance and quick to anger and kind of a low window of tolerance, if um, we see our kids, you know, avoiding the things that make them anxious or avoiding things that remind them of um, a past experience. Um, if we see like, isolated symptoms, will essential oils still work even if there's not like this formal PTSD diagnosis? Absolutely. And the reason being is because again, it's just chemistry. Everybody has an HPA access. Everybody has the hypothalamus that's responding in a similar way. So whether it be because you have been triggered from a trauma by being overseas in the military or from adoption, you're absolutely going to be able to interact the chemistry in a similar way. So I'll, I'll share an experience that my cousin, she adopted several um, children and one of her children, she is about five years old at the time. And her whole life had had these disassociative outbursts and, and tantrums. Maybe a lot of you have had to deal with that as well, where once she started tantruming and if they didn't, if they couldn't, like intervene with her right away to like calm her down. It would, she would just disassociate and just be um, tantruming for a long time. And so we talked about some of the oils she could get. And one of them was called serenity. And that's a blend of just heavy, heavy, like liquid uh, tranquilizer almost. So this blend of uh, massive calming action in the body and on the spine. So one day when she had just barely received um, her oils that I helped her, her order, she texts me and said, my daughter's starting her tantrum. What can I do? What can I do? She like, didn't want her to get too far into it to start disassociating. So I said, you know, grab the serenity, do a drop in your hand, put it on the back of her neck. And so this is the occipital point, And this is going to be, um, the soft spot between the skull and the spine you will feel. 
and you'll put it right there and you put it so it gets into the bloodstream and into that fear-based part of the brain, as well as the spine, which is going to calm that central nervous system. And so she goes, so she just texts me back. Okay, I'm doing that now. And so she did a drop and it was about three minutes later. She texts me back and she says, are you for real? Is this stuff for real? And I'm like, okay. It's like, uh Oh, what happened? And she said, she's just laying here calmly. Oh my gosh. I was like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful for her. And so instead of going into a hyper, you know, state and arousal state, she was able that serenity being intervened in a moment of crisis, her daughter just laid there and just was able to kind of cry it out and then lay there and go back to normal processing afterwards. And that's the power. That is the power. It doesn't matter of diagnoses, but that's the power of interacting into our chemistry and into our body. Yeah. That's amazing. I know I'm going to get a bajillion emails after this going serenity. Where can we get that? So we'll definitely put a link in the show notes. We'll let people know where to get that at the end. We had some questions in our community and, and something that I think kind of piggybacks off of the story is, you know, is it okay to, to kind of just diffuse them in the air near our kids? Some of our kids do get really aggressive, really violent. They don't want us to touch them. They're not going to let us get near them. So in the situation, if you can't get, you know, a drop of serenity on the occipital point, what's the power of diffusing, you know, do the, the, do our people need to know or care, you know, um, what are some other ways if we have really resistant kids? Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a lot of sensory issues sometimes with children. And so we do need to be sensitive to that. So um, diffusing is going to be an immediate relief anyway. And so when I did my dissertation, I did the research study using one drop of bergamot in the hand and had them inhale it through their nose. And that was four times a day. And then they diffused it overnight. So inhalation is crucial. And so if you can diffuse it around your child, you can also make a spritzer with some water and some essential oil blends and just spray it around them. That is going to get into the brain and help. And so I just highly recommend having a spritzer that you can do. Like you could use some of those little um, body spray like um, aluminum. You can buy them on Amazon bottles that you can do little tinctures with and spray those, have those. If there's something that happens and you need to spray, if you don't have a diffuser plugged in by you ready to go. So those are the two options. I also will share a story. I have, I worked with an equestrian area, um, in San Diego that they, they see kids with disabilities, with special needs and autism. And there was one child who they had, they came over to the equestrian to play with the horses. And we were doing essential oil therapy with the horses, with the children. And one of the kids from the bus ride had gotten very stimulated and hyper aroused and was like flapping his hands and not able to focus. And they were trying to talk and he was making noises and just not able to talk. And again, these kids don't, you know, like so much touch. So I, I took just a teeny bit of this essential oil called balance and I put on my finger and I just kind of lightly swiped it on the back of his neck. And then I w- stepped away and he like looked at me like, what was that? What did you do? You know, so I, I violated a little bit of that space, but about five, maybe six minutes in all of a sudden he just stopped. He stopped flapping. He sat down and was just listening to the instructions of working with the horses that day. And I just find that phenomenal is how nothing else happened 
but that, and he was able to calm down and listen and then actually do the therapy with the horses. So there's a lot you can do, even if it's just like the lightest touch on the back of their neck, a spritzer and a diffuser. And I would highly recommend some of these oils like the serenity and the balancer for those hyper arousal states. And there's the balance is for a really calming state as well, but um, in a different way. I like the balance because it's got tree oils in it. And when you look at trees, and this is how I like to describe, you don't have to know all the grounded and rooted, right? They have these deep, solid, like winds come and it doesn't blow them over. So if you are feeling like you need centered and groundedness or the children need that, not necessarily like calm down a super hyper state, but get them a little more grounded and focused, the tree oils are going to be great for that. What you already mentioned, kind of right at the back of the neck, are there other topical places that you recommend um, families use? Great question. So there are a few brain points that I highly recommend for topical use. You're talking the back of the neck, the occipital. You're talking the front of the neck at the pulse points. So around your throat area, around the trachea on the other sides of it is these pulse points. And that's where blood gets taken to the brain. So kind of like where you'd put perfume. So that's another good point. I like to do wrists, not because that's a brain point, but but then they can smell it by putting their wrist to their nose. And then the other area, which is very, very powerful, is going to be the bottom of the foot on the big toe. So the bottom of the big toe, and you just do one drop is plenty every time you use them, and just stimulate it in like by massaging it into that big toe. And so that's a really good point, especially if they're going to wear shoes and socks and they maybe not want to smell the essential oil. The brain point is phenomenal um, on that point. I have a friend who has a child who was struggling with focus and attention and being grounded at school. And so we did a blend called Intune. And that blend um, was kind of, I like the smell, but it's kind of stinky for a kid going to school in sixth or fifth grade. So it's got patchouli, which is just, you know, really hippie, powerful smelling. And so I had her put it on the bottom of his foot on his big toe and then put his shoes and socks on. So he can go to school. He came home that day. And I guess, you know, she texted me afterwards and she said that he came home just super happy and said, I had such a good day. I got all my homework done. And just, he said, that stuff really works. He told her like, he really liked how it made him feel. And it was just on the bottom of his toe. So those are my favorite topical points. How often is it safe to apply? Like if you have a kid who's kind of hyper all the time, you know, how often can we kind of put a little drop of balance or serenity on the back of their neck? (laughs) Yeah, Good question. So I recommend using one drop of oil for every four hours. So if I use, and that's of a certain oil. So if I use balance one drop every Four hours is plenty, especially for a child. And then if I also want to add maybe lavender with that, I can do that at the same time. Layering oils is okay. They're different chemistry. And again, you can't overdose necessarily on this way. What happens is if you use too much, it's actually less effective. That's what I think is cool about it. So it's like you can just do one, one drop every four hours and you're good. And then for diffusing overnight, I really recommend. In fact, I almost didn't do my research project project with dif- with a diffuser because it was just a whole extra thing to focus on and do and and tell them how to do and buy all the diffusers for all my participants. Because you know, when you're doing research for your dissertation, I'm funding it. This is not funded by anybody. So 
I almost thought, no. And I, and then last minute I thought I have to do this. And I'm so glad I did because it actually made the biggest difference. And so I recommend diffusing overnight, something that's calming. You can do blend, but I would do lavender. You could do serenity, but I would also do frankincense. Any way you can get frankincense into the brain, it is phenomenal. It has so many properties that help with brain um, cellular health, as well as regulating inflammation. It just has this way about it. I've seen with kids with autism, phenomenal results from just having it diffused overnight for a couple weeks. And then they're able to process. Um, I saw one child that she was, I think, eight years old at this time and wasn't able to dress herself or even pick out her clothes. It just isn't her brain did not function that way. But her mother started diffusing frankincense overnight. And for about two weeks later, one morning she got up an outfit and put it on. That's huge. Yeah. There's that that for a kid with autism. So so those I would highly recommend diffusing overnight. Yeah, we um we have a program here at the Adoption Connection called the Regulation Rescue. And we provide diffusers and some of those blends you're talking about balance specifically another one called adaptive um, because it is kind of the easy quote unquote easiest as we have a big family. It kind of can, you know, if you put something on the kitchen table while everyone's eating or getting ready in the morning. Um, so that's a, that's a great tip. One last question. There's a lot of um, this, like let your people choose what oil they need Um we support parents in giving our kids voice and choice, um, especially those who have come from adverse experiences that can be really important and what, you know, whatever there's a safe way to give them a choice. But then there's also this, like, if you're naturally drawn to something, you're maybe your body needs it. Is there any science behind that? I don't know if there's any science behind that, but I do think it's very important. A couple things that you just said, like letting the children have the choice. And one thing I've taught a lot of parents when when they have children with behaviors and where you, we want to do an essential oil regimen with them. I tell them, make sure that you're doing this regimen with all the kids. You do not single out that child. Oh, you need this treatment. And so this is really good way you can sit all the kids down or if it's just you and you know, one kid or you and a husband and a kid or a spouse, a partner, just sit down with all of you and say, Hey, we're going to do this new um, intervention for us. It's because it's, it is, it's good for every single person good for the brain. Yeah. It's good nervous system yeah. care. It doesn't have to be targeted on one child. And so I think that it's good that you all do this and say, okay, it's our oil time. Um, we're sitting down at 6 PM after dinner or whatever you do, just get, create a regimen that ever participates. It's not singled out. And even sharing, like if you're going to spritz, you know, just say, Oh, just say, Oh, mom just needed a little spritz. I just was feeling some emotions come up, you know, you can say something like that. Don't make it about them singling them out. So with that being said, I like to have a good handful, maybe five different um, essential oils that are your key. And I can give you some of my top um, ones that we've already talked about, obviously, frankincense, lavender, bergamot, serenity and balance would probably be my top five. Um, but you said another one adaptive. So I'm going to add that in at six. That's a great one. It's a newer one that is blended to help the body adapt to stress. So those top six, you could just say, Hey, let's sit down at our oil time and let's smell them. Which one do you want to try right now? Because 
and I'll share with you why I think that having inner intuition and what scent you're drawn to is very important. And this is where I learned this back at the equestrian. Remember, I was telling you about going to the equestrian. So we have these horses around us and I had that oil balance out. And though I was, you know, we were working with the kids and showing the oils to the horses and putting it up to the horse's nose. And I had the balance. The horse could care less about the balance. It just kept moving his head. He's like, I don't care about that. I don't want to smell it. And, and so the, the lady, uh, the trainer at the equestrian, she comes over and she says, Oh, that horse likes breathe oil. Cause he has respiratory issues. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously. So I pulled out the breathe essential oil, which is for the lungs and, and the respiratory system. And I pulled it out and I kid you not, the horse's nose went right to it and would not leave my hand for, I mean, probably 20 minutes. I had finally, I was like, all right, are you done? Like he kept his nose and followed the breathe oil in my hand with his nose for the entire time. It was hilarious. And he knew he needed breathe. And she told me and another uh, horse over there, she goes, that horse likes the oregano and he has intestinal parasite issues. And I'm like, what? Like if it's intuitive for a horse, I guarantee there's intu intuition us as well. So that really taught me seeing it firsthand with that horse needing the breathe oil and could care less about the balance oil. So I do think there is merit in letting each of you, each of you sit down with the family and smell, which one do you want to put on your bottom of your feet right now? That's a good way to kind of end your evening. Yeah. I love that. Well, Dr. Danielle, I could probably talk to you for hours, but, um, you have given us so much to think about, um, a lot to digest. And I'm just really grateful. I know you're a really, really busy person. Um, really grateful. Just to have your expertise and your knowledge, uh, here at the adoption connection and to share with our audience. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to connect with more of you. And I'd love to hear your success stories. So please feel free to reach out on Instagram and share with me what worked because that's what I learned from as well from you guys and what you're doing in your homes. Guys, I am so inspired every time I hear from Dr. Danielle. You can follow her on Instagram at Dr. Danielle PSYD. To purchase any of the six essential oils she recommended at the end, or for a link to her Instagram or other information for this episode, you can head to the show notes, theadoptionconnection.com slash 160. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. Our new Instagram handle is at postadoptionresources. Or better yet, join our free Facebook community at theadoptionconnection.com slash Facebook. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. And remember, you're a good parent doing good work. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.